All right, everybody, this is Luke with LukeHumphreyRunning.com, and we're back at it for another podcast episode. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, really just understanding what your true weakness is, in particular for the marathon. And I'm going to go over a case study uh, with an athlete who just signed up for coaching with us and um, some of the things that she put in her in her training profile that made me think that we should probably discuss this. Plus, I've seen other things, too, in the Facebook group where actually I think I just saw one this morning where somebody was saying, you know, they, they, they basically missed their goal um, and they ran Indy and this year Indy was, you know, pretty windy, a little bit warm and stuff. So a lot of people kind of fell off um, goal paces and stuff. But then you know, kind of tucked in the bottom was basically, well, I want to run this time and then maybe I should try to get under, I think it was 140 and a half. And then I, I started doing the math on it. Like, yeah, there's, you know, you're, uh, you definitely need to bring that half down if you want to consider running basically twice that in the marathon. So I do, I do want to talk about, um, along those lines, what, what that would, what that would look like. So, um, so let's just jump right in. So, you know, like I said, we had an athlete sign up for coaching, and then uh, we have them complete a training profile. It's several questions long, and then um, we do any follow-up after that, and then and then put their their training plan together, um, and then uh, and then we go from there. But uh, um, one of the questions that we ask is, what are some of your training weaknesses? And it's really just, um, you know, it's, some of it's to point out the obvious, right? What do you what do you actually know you need to work out work on? But some of it's just to get some thoughts flowing. Uh, and see what the person says so that we can kind of come back to them, usually with more questions, right, and, um, or just some thoughts on it. And that's where we, there we go. So let's really do establish, you know, a starting point for the conversation about what those perceived weaknesses are because what they perceive as a weakness might be the symptom of what the actual weakness is or, you know, it might just not even really be the weakness but something else is the uh, contributing factor to that. So... In, in this case, she, she mentioned that her weakness was she needed more speed work. Uh, but when I looked at what her other personal bests were, I, I didn't really, I didn't come to the same conclusion on that. So, and by that, I mean, I, I looked at her 5K PR, her 10K PR and her half marathon best. And then I put them all, put them all into a race equivalency chart. And each one suggested that she could run between 437 and 445 in the marathon. And I think she'd run it was well over five hours, like 5.15 or something like that. Um, and she just felt like she needed more speed in order to bring that five-hour marathon time down. But the reality is that all her other time suggested that she can run well under five hours. So the speed itself isn't, a, isn't the problem, right? So she's fast enough to run what it takes to run a sub-five marathon. What the real reason is is somewhere, somewhere else beyond that point. Um, and, you know, and, and that, that is where our conversation has to start. Like, okay, well, this isn't really the case. Let's look at the other factors and, and see what, what is going on. And so I just want to be clear too, like, I'm not, I'm not picking on her at all because it's a, it's a pretty logical conclusion to come to, right? So I, I didn't meet my time. I need to be faster, but, um, and I see it all, I see it a lot, right? I see it in the Facebook, a lot, Facebook group a lot where people are, same thing, right? So they want to say they want to run 3:30 in the marathon, but they haven't run under 145 and a half. But they've kept continually 
tried to go after the 345, and we've talked about this at length before too. Like that's the importance of doing different segments, and you know, on and on and on. So I don't really want to go into that, but um, it's just the case of really recognizing what's actually going on. Um, and in her in her defense too, honestly, I think when she was saying speed work, I think it really was in reference to structured work because when we really dove down and looked at what she was doing, it was just really going out for runs um, and then biking a couple times a week. And so there was no real training plan, it seemed like. There was just running, right? And so it's a big difference. You know, I had this conversation with, with my daughter, actually, who somebody somebody was asking me if I was still training or and stuff. And I'm like, ah, you know, I run. And she's like, but you run every day. I'm like, well, but that's the difference. I run every day, but running every day and training are two different things, right? You can be have good general fitness by just going out and exercising, but does that mean you're ready to run, you know, a certain time in the marathon? And that's that's the two different two different uh, scenarios there. Um, and so and so going back to her, I think it's fair because you look at her training training history. If she would have added structured work, it would probably do probably would have done amazing things for her. She probably would have had no problem getting under five hours. But the moral of the story is that running a certain time requires you to be fast enough, you know, air quotes, fast enough first. And this is where your own racing history in combination with the use of a race equivalency chart can come in really handy. Um, so, I, you know, I'll use myself an example here. So my fastest marathon was 214.38, I believe. Uh, if I if I plug that into a calculator and I kind of reverse it, um, then that would say that that 214 would be worth a 104.10 and a half, uh, a 29.08 and a 10K and a 5K and 14 flat. So using that as the baseline, I compared that to what I've actually run in those distances. So I've run 103.52 in the half, 29.02, in the 10K and then 14.10 in the 5K. And so pretty close, right? That's pretty close to what the equivalency chart suggested I could run. Um, and so there's a couple ways to look at that. And one is I pretty much maxed out what I could do across the board, right? So I pretty much ran what I was in shape to do. Um, based on my half PR, maybe I could have eked out a 213 marathon, but at that point you're literally talking about one to two seconds a mile. So in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty much you're pretty much there at the top, the top end, right? Um, and I ran that 103.52 in February of 2011, and then I turned around and ran my marathon PR in June the same year. So basically, that 103.52 ended my kind of my winter segment because I ran that at New Orleans, Rock and Roll New Orleans, and I think that was in early February took my downtime and I started training for Rock and Roll San Diego in June, which is where I ran the 214.38. Uh, so um, the second part of that is that as the race distance decreases, the further I got away from what I was expected to run, right? So, uh, you know, I was, you know, if you look at that, uh, I said I should have been able to run um, 104.10 and a half, I ran a little bit faster. So I actually overperformed in that. 29.08 and the 10K ran 29.02. I mean, you're talking about um, a second a mile uh, within that. So I would say that's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> you're not going to get much better than that. And then 14 uh, to 14.10, which 10 seconds off was a, it's a little bit more. But still, I mean, Grant, you, I bet, you know, I think, and I think if you go down from there, it would say you could probably run like a 358 or 359 mile, and there's no way I was going to run a, 
350 or 359 miles. So, um, <clears throat> so the fa the f shorter the distance got, the the uh, <clears throat> further away I got from what it actually you know algorithm versus actuality further got away. But the importance of that is just knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are as a racer, and that's why it's good to keep one data and, and, and notes on that data, right? So that you can go back and use that. And then as you are setting up those goals, then you have not only the, the algorithm data, but you also have your real, your real world experience. And then you can kind of blend that and know more or less where you're gonna, where you're gonna fall. <clears throat> so then going back to my history, I was, I was pretty much maxed out for me. For me to really take another step forward, I would have had to improve on my shorter distances. And so when I ran my half, when I ran my half in full PR, um, I must have been right around 30, 31. Um, and so could I have improved? Absolutely. Um, I could have gone back. Would I have run, you know, 13.50 in the 5K? Maybe. Um, but it would have been harder to do that in the, in the shorter distances than it would have been in to, to improve in the marathon. But what you can do is you still go back and you touch on those segments and then you at least get back to where you're feeling comfortable running faster paces. And then when you come back to the marathon, it's actually more comfortable. You're more used to that. And you might not actually run those times that you need to, but you've done the work that suggests that you can now go ahead and move forward in the longer distances. Um, but, uh, you know, so like I said, I didn't need to necessarily improve my 5k and 10k race times, but I definitely needed to go back, at least get back to the level and maybe tolerate some workouts that would be in line with those faster workouts. And then maybe use that speed work to run a faster half, bring that half down to say, you know, maybe bring it down to like 103.30. And then you're talking about, okay, now you can talk about running, you know, 213.30 or something like that in the, in the marathon, right? So it's not necessarily the, the race times you're looking for, but the ability to handle the work that's going to allow the longer races to be able to come down, right? And so, um, so like for a marathon, it's entirely crucial that that 5K and 10K comes down. Well, the faster you get, no, more, more or less not because it's going to be harder and harder. But as long as you can go back and do that work, then you come back and you say you run a, you know, you're used to doing, you know, 5K work at, um, you know, say, say you're, well, let me rephrase that. So say your half marathon pace is, is six minutes a mile and you've never really done work beyond that uh, for a long time, right? You've always done half marathons or marathons and you never really touched on that other stuff. Well, then you come back and say maybe you train for specifically a half, but now it means you're touching a lot of speed work in the, uh, you know, the 515 range. Uh, for the for mile that's a big difference so that when you come back that six minute pace isn't going to feel as bad so maybe you push that down to 550 555s but then you go back up to the marathon all of a sudden that marathon pace feels much more much more tolerable all right so going back to our young lady and her quest to break five we already established that she was fast enough to run under under five hours so we have to consider what else is the issue and to me there's two big issues that need to be looked at and the first is you have to look at your training throughout the months and years previously, which we've really touched on already through this discussion. Um, I'd really like to take a look at consistency over long, longer periods of time. Um, many, rec many recreational athletes tend to train for a specific race once a year or maybe a couple times a year, and then they maybe take summers off or take winters off. Um, you know, and I use off relatively, right? They're not, they might still run, but not as serious as they are when they're in that in that training mode. Um, 
and I'm not knocking this at all at all, but when it comes to improvement, consistency is going to be king, right? Um, even if it's not hard training, being fairly consistent with staying healthy and putting blocks of solid running and running and can move your fitness up a couple levels just on its own. Like in, in this case with, with this young lady, I mean, if she just was able to run, I would even say 30 miles a week all year, she would probably be in a much better position than she is now because she basically will train for the marathon and then go and do other things, right? And so, which is fine for general health and things like that, but ultimately if running is what you want to do, then you have to do that running consistently throughout the year. And secondly, with the training segment, does the training match what you are training for? So let's take a typical recreational runner. If they put in 20 miles a week pretty regularly, that's that's enough to really run a solid 5K, pretty decent 10K. It's probably a little light to have a really good half marathon, and I really couldn't recommend that kind of volume for a marathon. Uh, what you'll see a lot of times is an increase in weekly volume from, say, a 5K, 10K runner to a marathoner, but it generally comes from increasing the long runs, right? So that 20 might go up to 30, but that extra 10 miles a week is only coming from the one run a week, right? And so that's where the problem, like that, to me, that, that training doesn't necessarily match what they're training for. It's not enough. Um, and, I, and it, you know, so the thing is, like, they might get up to 40, 45 miles a week, but the majority of that increased volume is coming from the long runs. You know, if they're doing a long run of 16, 6 to 8, to eight miles a, a week for a 5K, and then they jump that up to 18 to 20, you're talking, what, 10 to 14 miles or more a week right there. You know, and then they'll probably do, like, one bigger workout during the week, maybe a marathon tempo or something like that, whatever. And, you know, that's where they're, that's where they're getting, you know, another 5 to 10 miles out of the week, right? And so it's, it, it's a lot, but as we've talked about several other times, I don't want to go back into that either, but... You know, we know that we've got to be somewhat balanced in our in our training, and so they might add they might add some marathon pace work that will get them up a little bit further. Like I said, but the trade-off is that easy runs will be removed or decreased. So maybe they even run. You know, they're doing enough aerobic easy running for a 5K, right? If they're going out and they're running three miles, you know, a few times a week as, as their easy runs, that's plenty for a 5K. But if they're staying at three miles and just adding in like a marathon workout and a long run, and that's where they're adding 15 to 20 miles, they're not doing enough aerobic development to support what the marathon's going to involve. And honestly, they would be much better off backing down on the long run and even the marathon work and just boosting that base aerobic easy run from you know three to go move that up to four or five or six miles where it's taking them you know closer to an hour on those easy runs they're going to develop that they have so much more aerobic foundation that they can build that's going to take them a long way so it has to like the bottom line is that it has to match what they're trying to do you know so what we do for a 5k isn't going to match what we can do for a marathon all right and then uh let's see where we're at here the um yeah and then you have to take that in mind too with it with a race equivalency calculator so if you like you plug in um this young lady and she was doing these 5k's that suggested she could run 437 in the marathon but that's also taking into account that she could run that as long as the training matches the training that she needs to do right so if she she's training for the 5k she can't just use that same 5k training and expect to run a good 437 hour marathon 
the training then has to extrapolate up with, with the race distance. Um, so last in the going on, you know, adding on to that point, I think that's where you see a lot of folks in that 430 to five hour plus range for the marathon. You know, so the pace itself is not overly taxing. A lot of times they're actually running that on their easy runs. A lot of times they're easy, they're short 30 mile easy runs are faster than what their marathon pace is. The pace itself is not overly taxing, but they tend to slow down more and more and more from miles, say 16 and above 16, the last 10 miles, each mile probably gets, <coughs> excuse me, a little bit worse. And so that by, by the time you get to 22, 24 miles, you're losing, you know, minute, minute plus per mile, every run, every mile that you're going over. And to me, that's simply an indication that the overall endurance is just not there to allow a person to hold on to that pace. And that's something like you can, you can look at, there's a thing called aerobic um, decoupling. And so what you would look at is you would take a long run, for instance, anything that's over like an hour and a half to two hours long. So that's why long runs are usually what people look at, but you can look at it a couple ways. You can look at it from the, like the first miles, I usually take like the second mile. The first mile is just kind of warm up, but take a look what that second mile is and what the last mile is. And you, what you're looking at is you're seeing if the heart rate versus the pace decouples, right? So anything more than a five, five, you would, so if you took the heart rate divided by the pace, you'd get a ratio, right? And then you would divide, and then you'd look at the ratio of the last mile. And if that's over a 5% difference, um, then your, your aerobic endurance probably isn't where it needs to be to match what you're trying to do. And so that's one, one thing you can look at. Probably a more uh, involved way, I guess, would be looking at the first half of a run versus the second half of a run. And again, if you see that a 5% decoupling um, of heart rate versus pace, um, then you know that your endurance in general needs to be worked on. And so, but don't take that as I need to do longer and longer runs. So that, that means that your easy runs probably are not enough, whether there's not, is you need to add more during the week or you just need to add more volume to your easy runs to build that endurance up. Um, and then that will overall help you much, much more uh, in the marathon if you are in that 430 plus range, because now you've got the endurance. So you're not going to get to, you might not get to 24 before you start slowing down, but instead of being at like 16 or 18, maybe you push that up to like 22, and you're sa- you're literally saving minutes per mile um, over over the course of the marathon. That's that's a huge step on a pretty uh, simple thing to change in your training to gain a lot of time. And then obviously, as you get faster, more things would have to change. But if that's something that you haven't done, that's an easy fix that will allow big improvements without, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of extra work on your end. All right. So to close out, if you're a person looking at a marathon goal time or even a half marathon goal time and you just seemingly fade at the end of a race or just, uh, you know, you, you, you're on pace maybe and then all of a sudden you just start losing that time and, you know, you start, you get to a point where you see that goal time and you know it's not going to happen. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Um, the first thing you got to do is look at what your other race distances look like. Do they line up with what you're trying to run? Do those PRs in that line up with what you're trying to run um, for the longer distance? Second thing you've got to, you know, um, if not, work on bringing those down and being more in line with the goal time for the longer event. 
you don't have to get them to line up perfectly, but you got to be trending in the right direction, right? Um, if you if those do line up, move to the next thing. So that would be, um, do I train consistently throughout the year? If not, make that a priority to train consistently. Now, there doesn't mean you train hard, but it means you have to be engaged in some sort of training. Whether it's you know like as I'm recording this, it's you know end of no middle November. Um, a lot of people are in base building segments as winter approaches, and it's you know now it's dark by 5:30, so it's making training for harder events a little bit less likely but we can still build our base things like that and then we, over the summer we talked about the same thing like so hot it's not feasible for some people to be training for a marathon so that's kind of their base building segment so it depends on where you're at but the point is be in some sort of training throughout the year um if, if so make that a priority if so if that does line up if you are training consistently then move up so the next thing is, does my training match what it should be for the longer longer races? If it doesn't, make that a priority. Focus on building the volume in a balanced way, then add the intensity. Give yourself time to adapt to the one training stress at a time. And if you follow a similar path when addressing your true strengths and weaknesses, you'll really shorten the time needed to be in a position to reach that goal. So, you know, I, th- I think it, to wrap it up, I think if you're in a position where you're continually trying to run a certain time and it hasn't happened and you keep kind of going through the same thing over and over again, look at the three things that we're talking about right now. Go through each one. Start with the simplest thing. Do your race times line up? If they do, move on. If they don't, work on that. Then look at training consistently. Am I really training consistently all year or do I just kind of slack off after that, you know, fall marathon? Like I use my, I'll use a friend, a friend of mine uh, as an example. So he, uh, his daughter and my daughter in swim, and we've become friends over the last couple of years. And, and um, you know, he's a, he's a good golfer. Um, so, you know, he's going to golf in the summer. He's going to golf in the spring. But uh, him and his brother run the Detroit Half Marathon every year just to kind of – he calls it a fitness check just to see where he's at. He, I think he just turned 40, and he's like, ah, I just want to see where we're at. He just wants to compare – each year he just compares to where he was before. And, uh, you know, he you – know, he's like ah you know I thought I'm still a pretty young guy I could run like 130 and I'm like Paul that's that's pretty quick I mean 130 means you're you're pretty engaged in in training and he's like yeah I realize that now <laughs> so I just I just picture him because he makes some actually really good points to me he's like well a half marathon is one of those things where I, I if I go out and I put in 20 miles a week I can run, I can finish the half marathon but I he also quickly realized that going out and just running 20 miles a week was not going to let him run a 130, right? And so I think, you know, I like I like Paul because he has a very good approach to it, and he doesn't try to sugarcoat it. He's he's very uh, uh, aware of where he stands in the running in the running world. Um, but I just think about those things like that. So if you train consistently, yeah, you could definitely knock that down to you know probably 140, um, and then also the the mileage part, right? So if your mileage just doesn't line up with where you should be uh, for for say a marathon um, we got to fix that right and so that would be a good time to use a, a downtime to start kind of building that out mapping that out how are you going to get to that to that point and then be able to actually reach those goals so um, those are just the things I, w- I look at when I first bring a person on um, and especially when they say like, I need to be faster to run the time, right? That's the first thing I look at is the, is where their, what their times actually suggest they should run and then go from there. But those are easy things you can look at, not necessarily so easy to add on, 
but it gives you a very, very good starting point and something that you can map out yourself, right? Um, you know, obviously a coach can do that for you as well, but, um, and that's not, you know, that way not be a bad thing where you just, you know, if you want to consult with a coach and you just kind of go over that and just get it like a, you know, you, you can establish a baseline, but get, okay, let's develop a plan on how to get from where I'm at to where I need to be. And so that's, um, that's one thing that you, you could work with somebody. Cause I, I recognize, you know, um, that, you know, coaching itself might be out of, out of the question. Um, you know, not by, you know, want, or want but more of a necessity. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So I think, uh, I think you, you could consult with somebody. Um, that's something we offer. Uh, I'm sure other coaches offer that as well. But uh, I think it's good just to have a fresh pair of eyes look at that. And I'm, you know, I don't want to turn this into a commercial for consulting, but uh, I think that you just get somebody you trust, at least if you're in a run club, uh, a running group, have somebody, you know, find somebody you trust to look at it and actually take an objective look at what you're doing um, and then brainstorm how you get there. But uh, if that is something you would like us to do, we can obviously do that as well. But uh I think now is the time as I'm recording this, like I said, it's in uh, middle November. So I think a lot of people are um, looking for what to do next and how to get there. And now is the time to be laying those plans before you get to a point where now you got to start training for that marathon or half marathon and you're in the exact same position you were, you know, three or four months ago. So, all right, that's what I, that's what I do. Hopefully that um, can help you guys out in, uh, as you sort things out yourself. And uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, take it easy.